Howdy, Tolks! Before this episode gets started, I just want to make a quick announcement. Remember many moons ago when I asked you to submit your mailing information for a surprise? Well, surprise! I finally did something with that. Uh, My life got way busier than expected in October and November, and now it looks like a lot of those cards have made their way to you wonderful, wonderful listeners. International listeners who submitted that form. Oh my god, there's a spider on my hand. It's fine. Ow! And that was my broken hand too. Okay, it's fine. International listeners, uh, your cards are on their way. Um, I hope they find their way to you because I'm a dumb American. International addresses confuse me. Some of you have letters in your postal codes. That makes no sense. So hopefully you get those. And also there were a couple people who submitted their forms with incomplete information for their addresses. And so... If you're sitting there and you're wondering, hey, I submitted that form and I haven't gotten anything yet and I live pretty, I live in the U.S., I should have gotten it by now, I'm sorry, but I can't, I needed all of the information with your address to send it, so that's what happened. Uh, With that being said, enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 24, all about the White Rider. Chapter 5, book 3 of The Two Towers, being the 24th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I am joined by Sydney King of Some Reading Required. Welcome back. Hi, thank you again for having me. Yes, of course. And it's so perfect now because listeners, for those of you that don't know, since the last time Sydney was on the the pod, she went and started her own podcast. Yes. Yes. I think it was being on this that really kind of pushed me over the edge. Aww. I can't believe that that happened. <laughs> uh, me either. If, any, if, anything, if anything, I would have thought that like recording with me would have been like, oh no, I'm never doing that again. So I'm glad that I haven't turned you off of podcasts. No, I got compliments and then it was just mulling in my mind. And then I brought the idea to family and friends and no one said, no, you shouldn't do that. Everyone <laughs> said, that's a great idea. Yeah, I re- yeah. So, listeners, uh, Sydney's podcast talks all about the read, the books, and the readings, and everything that different people had in different forms of education. I guess whether that's high school or middle school or college. We talked a little bit about what I did in college for a bit um, when I was on, but it's a really it's a really great podcast. Also, for what I'm sure a lot of the listeners of this podcast would also be interested in since it's very reading oriented, especially talking about, you know, quote unquote, like what also like what classics did you read in high school? And for some people, Lord of the Rings is considered a classic, even though I didn't read it in high school or The Hobbit. I've gotten a lot of people who said they read Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit in college. But anywho. Yeah, I think different ages some it just it depends on the person of when they read them i know some people i think had the hobbit a lot more often because it's just a one-off adventure novel yeah it's an easier read oh also listeners i should say my voice is just going to go in and out of being scratchy this entire episode because despite the fact that i'm on a myriad of medication i feel like i'm still sick so (laughs) just deal with it 
because that's what I'm having to do is just dealing with it. <sighs> anywho, I also need to stop saying anywho. I started saying it <laughs> you way You just noticed that, much. didn't you? Oh, no, I've noticed this probably like four weeks ago when I was editing episodes. And then now every time I say anywho as a transitional word, I hate myself a little bit more. <laughs> and then Becca calls you out on it. <laughs> Oh, did she, has she called me out on that? Isn't that, that what she Twitter? said? She starts saying, "Oh yeah, there was something." Oh, I apparently say "boy howdy" a lot. <laughs> oh, that's what that was. <laughs> oh, yeah, was I had noticed surprising. that. Anywho, because I had a friend in like junior high and high school that would say something along the same, like very similar phrasing. So I just I would pick up on that one. Oh man, I mean, I tell you, podcasting, especially editing your own podcast, it it does nothing but remind you or like shove in your face of like, these are the words that you say all the time and that you really need to be more mindful to not say. And I try so hard each additional time I record to not say like, um, anywho. I also say, okay, cool. And so then they did this and I'm like, oh, geez, oh, geez. I got to stop that now. Um, I, I also totally might, get that. Yeah, I also might cut all of that out because I don't want listeners seeing we're, paying attention. We're not human. <laughs> we don't have speaking issues. Yes. So jumping right in to chapter five, The White Rider. I'm going to say it. Boy, howdy, y'all. <laughs> what a chapter that I did not expect at all. Just going to jump right in and say it. He's back. Our boy, Gandalf. I was so... I was shook. Let, let's, let's just, let's go into, the, well, also, first of all, Sydney is reading, is kind of reading along with the podcast. And I like having this contrast of guests every now and then of people who are more casual fans, people who are also reading it for the first time and people who have tons of in-depth knowledge. And it's, I think this is a, this will be a fun chapter to hear from someone who also is experiencing it for the first time? Or maybe you had to go back and reread it. kind of a mix in the middle because I've known the stories for so long because of the movies. So seeing the, like, as soon as, like, you said chapter five and I saw it was, like, the White Rider, I'm like, oh, I get that chapter. Oh, okay. So I, because my thoughts going into this chapter when it said the White Rider, I was like, how many writers are there in this book? Because there's the oh, Black Riders, the Riders of Rohan, and it says the White Rider. I was like, okay, great. So there's just going to be some other soldier boy, soldier boy up in there. Oh, oh watch me kick that. Watch me roll. <laughs> um, there's yeah, going to be so some other dude Rohan who rolls up on a is horse. Tolkien's love of horses. In a country. Oh, a hundred percent. And we'll get to, we'll get to that later because there's also the return of shadow facts. <laughs> so it starts off with uh, it jumps back to the end of chapter two, I believe. And at the end of chapter two, Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn had seen that weird ghost mirage that. Okay, so I've been told by my wonderful friend and also friend of the pod, Bethany, that when Aragorn said, oh, father, come sit down by the fire, it was most likely just a formality, a a sign of respect, like, oh, sir, come sit by the fire, not literally Aragorn thinking it was his father. And I, I was very excited to, to possibly meet a character that's Aragorn's father, but that didn't happen. I, yeah, I would probably equate it kind of like 
the other name for Santa Claus is like Father Christmas. Oh, true. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it. Yeah. So just going to go correct myself that it's not actually Aragorn's father, much to my disappointment, but whatever. And so this picks up right where that ended. And they're still in the forest and... It starts off with Gimli saying, my very bones are chilled, and they're very confused about what happened the previous night, and they're talking about what happened with the horses, and Legolas says that he doesn't think the horses were spooked off. He says, I should have guessed that they were beasts wild with some sudden gladness. They spoke as horses will when they meet a friend that they have long missed. And it's at this point that I am... Just once again, adamant about the... I, I really wanted whatever the ghostly figure... I really wanted it to be Tom Bombadil. And this line about it being... They meet a friend they have long missed. We know Tom Tom Bombadil loves his horses and his horses are his children, basically. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's Tom Bombadil, like astro projecting his spirit to other parts of the forest in Middle Earth. I'm 99% sure that's a theory that's not going to see proven, but... A girl can I mean, dream. We don't know enough about Tom Bombadil. Astral projection could astral projection could easily be one of his powers. Oh yes, totally. I mean, I and later on, I think I wrote it down in my notes later on that I was very adamant about the fact that it would be a better writing device or something like what I was imagining of. Oh, this could be Tom Bombadil having his spirit spread throughout all of the different old or the forests that have been around for years and years and years. And it could be Tom Bombadil's spirit is always present in each of these forests. And I was like, Tolkien, I'm a better writer than you. You should have done this instead. <laughs> for the record, I don't think I'm a better writer than Tolkien. Let's get that straight before I get added on Twitter. And then it goes into, once again, they're following the trail, or they're trying to find a trail to find Merry and Pippin again. And this is, once again, kind of what my issue was a couple chapters ago, is that we already know what happened. We know what happened with Merry and Pippin. We don't need to see Aragorn sitting there guessing, because we've already seen it happen. Um, and I kind of yeah, went... but then we, then we get Sassy Legolas back, though. Where oh where's he sassy? He's he has a lot of great I will say though, to, Legolas to is, turn arms into wings and just follow them. We only need grow wings ourselves. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. Legolas is he's really great in this chapter and is really slowly moving his way up to being my favorite character. I really love Legolas. And there are a lot of points in this chapter where I'm like, yep, that's my homeboy. <laughs> that's Legolas. Legolas Leaflock, whatever they whatever he's referred to at the end uh, or something. I think it's Legolas Greenleaf. Greenleaf. Yeah, that's it. Although I did like this note that, yeah, so Legolas is that, yeah, Legolas sits down and is looking at the trail and he notices that they're like, they're picking up on all these clues like, oh, there's a knife over here, but it's an orc knife. So it looks like it was possibly stolen and there are ropes over here that were cut. But how could that person have cut their own ropes if their hands were tied? And oh, look, there are crumbs of these of this food. And I like this note. This is Legolas talking about whoever it was that did this escape. It says, being pleased with his skill, he then sat down and quietly ate some whey bread. That at least is enough to show that he was a hobbit. 
That they took a little snack break. Yeah, mood. And then, yes, it says, After that, I suppose he turned his arms into wings and flew away, singing into the trees. It should be easy to find him. We only need wings ourselves. Yes, Legolas. Legolas has, like, a lot of nature, like, Boy Scout skills coming in this chapter, too. I think it just kind of comes naturally as being an elf. They grow up in the woods. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're probably the ones closest to being one with nature. Oh, yes, that's, uh, he is such a tree boy, (laughs) Uh, especially later on when they get to Fangorn, too. Yeah, and then later on in the next, on the next page, there's like a whole paragraph of Aragorn thinking out loud of what Merry and Pippin would have done and trying to follow their path and just trying to put themselves into the minds, I guess, of the hobbits. And it, just, it was just like, once again, a moment of this is a very long section that we don't need because we know what happened. Thankfully, and I was and I started getting worried that it was just going to be another chapter like like that, where it's just showing Aragorn, Legolas and Gimli following Merry and Pippin's path. And they're like, hmm, I wonder what happened here. But meanwhile, we know exactly what happened here because it happened already in the previous chapter. So I'm glad that it almost cuts immediately right to the action. And so they get to Fangorn, and uh, after they've been following the Hobbit's trail, they see that they've been, they were at the Entwash, and they go into, or they're about to go into Fangorn, and this is again where Legolas gets some, like, Boy Scout skills, I guess. He says, I do not think the wood feels evil, whatever tales may say. He stood under the eave of the forest, stooping forward as if he were listening and peering with wide eyes into the shadows. No, it is not evil, or what evil is in it is far away. I catch only the faintest echoes of dark places where the hearts of trees are black. There is no malice near us, but there is watchfulness and anger. And I thought that was so interesting because... Oh, and then also further down, he says... Okay, I'm just going to read this whole section. (laughs) Or not this whole section, but bits and pieces. I'll, I'll jump around. He continues, but nonetheless, it has suffered harm. There is something happening inside or going to happen. Do you not feel the tenseness? It takes my breath away. I feel the air is stuffy, said the dwarf. It is old, very old, said the elf. So old that almost I feel young again, as I have not felt since I journeyed with you children. It is old and full of memory. I could not, I could have been happy here if I had come in days of peace. So... First of all, I like how he says where the hearts of trees are black, because in the previous chapter with Treebeard, we learn that some of the trees have been growing sleepy or dying or have been touched by darkness in some way or that there are bad trees. So I like that that's a little nod to what we just learned from from Treebeard, from the Treebeard chapter. And then also... The something is happening inside or going to happen. And also that Legolas says, I could have been happy here. And he feels this deep connection. And I think kind of goes to what you were saying, that he has this connection with the woods because of Lothlorien. Well, it's not just Lothlorien, but it's all the elves. Mm -hmm. I think especially the ones that are wood elves, probably because Mirkwood that Gimli mentions, that's literally where Legolas grew up. He grew up in his own forest. Oh, he grew so up. I, that's right. I keep free. I, I always forget that he didn't grow up in Lothlorien. Yeah. So I think it's in Hobbit where you meet Legolas's dad. Um, hi. <laughs> yeah. So you definitely like the elves. I think that's kind of part of their mythology is understand like being able to 
probably coincide a lot more better with nature, like how he can feel that tenseness of probably like the ants waking and Mm -hmm. making decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also just like that he calls Aragorn and Gimli you children, because obviously Legolas is much older than them, but just going off of the images of these three based on what I have from the movies, it's just so funny because like Orlando Bloom is like young and beautiful and ageless and and definitely not old enough to be like, you children. So that just kind of made me laugh. I liked that use of language by Tolkien. I don't think he, I don't know if he necessarily meant it as a humorous thing, but um, it was just like a fun reminder that, hey, Legolas is an elf and he's very old, actually. I could see it being humor of calling the man and the dwarf children. Children, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of almost equating them with the hobbits. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And then also something that just kind of, not, I don't know, made me chuckle a bit. Gimli is, Gimli says, he, he, he says, he's like, well, that was weird that you were able to infer all of that just by smelling the air, but whatever. He says, yet you comfort me where you go, I will go. And I love that because once again, just love Gimli and... Legolas's friendship, their bro-ship. Yeah, that real bro. <laughs> the bromance. <laughs> yes. And then they, so they head into the forest and they're wondering what happened and they kind of, they lose the trail a bit and they're not sure at all what happened or where they went or or even like what direction they should go. And I like this because Gimli, sa- Gimli says, we shall be no use to them except to sit down beside them and show our friendship by starving together. And Aragorn says, if that is indeed all we can do, we must do that. And Gimli's basically like, I mean, we can fall, we can try as as hard as we can to search for them, but we might die trying. And Aragorn's like, well then, okay, we'll die trying. And Gimli's like, I'm. It was it was a figure of speech. I don't actually want to die trying. Thank you. Yeah, that's an Aragorn mood, though. Oh yeah, such an Aragorn mood. And so then they get to the wall where Merry and Pippin first run into Treebeard, and this is when I was like, "Oh my God! Please, please, please be Tom Bobadil, <laughs> the mysterious figure from a couple chapters ago." Appears again. It looked like an old beggar man walking wearily, leaning on a rough staff. His head was bowed, and he did not look towards them. Now they stood silent, each feeling a strange expectancy. Something was approaching that held a hidden power or menace. And I knew it wasn't going to be Tom Bobadil, but once again, I just wanted it to be Tom Bobadil a lot. They could not see his face. He was hooded. And above the hood, he wore a wide-brimmed hat so that all his features were overshadowed except the end of his nose and his gray beard. And he steps on to, on the top of the, like, it, it's, they call it a shelf, but it's that wall thing and that's kind of stairs. And um, Gimli says, oh, everyone take out your weapons. Like, let's get ready to fight. And Legolas and them are, like, uh, very, like, just very hesitant they take out their weapons anyway, but they're not ready to attack. And Gimli's like, what's wrong with you? Attack! And they're kind of come over by a... I don't know if it's a literal spell or just a metaphorical, like, 
stunned into silence spell. And the person speaks to them, literally just says, I want to speak to you. Let's have a conversation. As he's stepping up to this wall, it says, there was a gleam too brief for certainty and a quick glint of white as if some garment shrouded by the gray rags had been for an instant revealed. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it was at this point that I truly had no idea who this character was. I didn't think it was Saruman. I did not think it was Gandalf. I had zero idea. And like as much as I wanted it to be Tom Bombadil, I figured it wasn't going to be Tom Bombadil. But I had zero idea. I... I was getting really excited because I was like, oh my God, we're about to meet some other really epic character who's going to join them on the quest. Like we've added another person to our to our hobbit hunting party. And I mean, I'm, I'm still very happy about the outcome, but I got... I got very excited thinking about who this could be. Did you, before the, the big reveal, do you remember what you were thinking if it was... Or did you like already know, oh, this is Gandalf? I kind of knew it was coming up because I can kind of like see the scenes from the movie and I can just hear Ian McKellen's voice in my head certain (laughs) specific quotes. Yeah. And it's actually around this scene, especially like a really big one that's coming up after he like reveals who he is. Yeah. So it's like those little hints of like, it's the gray rags and the the gray beard. It's kind of like, all right. I remember the movie. I can see what you're doing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because the other thing is that I don't, having not seen Two Towers, I have zero idea of how they translated the Two Towers book into the movie. And I didn't know if they, you know, moved things around and this happens at a later point or an earlier point or whatever. So who knows, I guess. I guess I guess going into the movie, I'll just know exactly what's about to happen for everything. Because they changed the reveal a little bit. I don't want to like try and spoil anything but i would say i will say like the gray rags aren't there okay um but there's still a lot of sense of i'm confused who is this do we maybe attack like everyone's still yeah. readying their weapons with a sense of like uh, i don't know if i trust you yeah mm-hmm. okay because the other the other thing is that i'm a little i'm not i wouldn't say wary but like i'm cautious about how the book to screen adaptations go because I know there is the huge difference that Boromir dies in the Fellowship movie and he does not die in the Fellowship book and that was a huge difference even though they both they happen like chronologically exactly in the same same places um so I don't know. Um, that might just be choosing to make it more of a cliffhanger for the movie. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was a great way to. End. Well, mm, I'm trying to. I don't know. Yeah, I still I still think that <laughs> Tolkien should have just picked up with the like first chapter. Uh, I mean, the second chapter of Two Towers, and put the first chapter of Two Towers at the end of Fellowship. But I get it's about like Lego. I mean, it's about Frodo and Sam, I guess. And the focus, I guess, would be taken away if he had ended it on oopsies on Boromir's death. But (sighs) either way, it works for me. And Aragorn is asking, uh, might we know your name? And we want to know, like, what do you want to talk to us about? Let's let's learn some information here before we either put our weapons away or start fighting Hugh. And 
He, so the mysterious man, it says he broke off laughing long and softly. Aragorn felt a shudder run through him at the sound, a strange and cold thrill. And yet it was not fear or terror that he felt. Rather, it was like the sudden bite of a keen air or the slap of a cold rain that wakes an uneasy sleeper. And my name, said the old man again, have you not guessed it already? You have heard it before, I think. Yes, you have heard it before, but come now. What of your tale? And this was a point where I was just, I was reading super fast and quickly, just trying to be like, who is this? And further down, it says, then his gray cloak drew apart and they saw beyond doubt that he was clothed beneath in all white. Saruman, cried Gimli. And I was like, oh, snap, it's Saruman. We're going to get some intense action scene. This is going to be great. I'm so excited. And this reveal is so... It takes a while. It takes a while for this reveal. And it's funny because he's described as his hair was white as snow in the sunshine. Gleaming white was his robes. His eyes under his deep under his deep brows were bright, piercing as the rays of the sun. And I was like, wow, Saruman's gorgeous, apparently. <laughs> and then Aragorn says, Gandalf! Beyond all hope, you return to us in our need. What veil was over my sight? Gandalf. And I I lost it. I was like, what? 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 He's back? No, no. I was, I kept expecting for it to be in some other kind of like mirage or something. So Legolas actually catches it first. Mm-hmm. The name he calls him is the elvish name for Gandalf, the Mithrandir. Oh, is Mithrandir? that what that is? I figured that was yeah. just, um, I didn't know exactly what that meant. But yeah, so Legolas fires his arrow high into the sky. It vanished with a flash of flame. And then, yeah, then he says Mithrandir. 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 And I figured that was some kind of... I don't know, maybe like sign of respect or something. I, don't, I didn't know exactly what that meant, but you said you said it means what? I believe it is the elvish name for Gandalf, like oh, that they've bestowed so this literally. name on him. So it's uh, kind of like Aragorn and all his names. Gandalf has names as well. Yeah. So like the, oh, yeah. in like the dwarvish mm. the dwarvish tongue, which I think I don't know if G- Gimli ever talks about like his speech. There's, they have a name for Gandalf as well, for that specific wizard. And it's like some weird name, like Tharkun or something. I remember seeing it somewhere else. So it's like Gandalf has his own titles. Yeah. <laughs> so Mithrandir um. was, it's kind of almost, I think if you know the, the history, that's kind of another catch. Because then like Legolas, like, yeah, he shoots his arrow away. And then when Gandalf then goes, well, met again Legolas... It's kind of also kind of like, giving off that. How do you that. know my name? Wait, Gandalf? But yeah, I was I made the exact face of um I tweeted the the gif of Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec of him just looking to the camera like absolutely shocked and surprised but super happy and that was my exact reaction. That was yeah. my exact facial expression when I was like it's, it's Gandalf. It's a good gif. Yeah. And I mean like I'm I can't stress this enough that I am not exaggerating. That's the exact face I was making. I was like, I really wish I had been. I recorded audio of me reading the last chapter of Fellowship. And I really wish I had been recording audio of me reading this chapter because it would have been great. I was just dumbstruck. I I was very happy. So there wouldn't have been audio. It would have just been. 
Uh, uh, what? I just kept saying, wait, 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 what? Wait. Because <laughs> I, I really kept expecting for it to be some kind of either trick or magic or mirage or, or some, you know, something. And that it would be revealed that, nope, it's not actually Gandalf. But it says, Gandalf. Yes, that was the name. I was Gandalf. <laughs> and I'm like, Gandalf, you sly dog. I don't know. Yes, he said, be merry, we meet again at the turn of the tide. The great storm is coming, but the tide has turned. So very, very ominous. And <laughs> I, I, I understand that now he's Gandalf the white instead of Gandalf the gray. But he says, yes, I am white now. <laughs> and just in like our modern context of like black people and white people it just made me laugh a lot so i think this is some like wizard history you don't get because like that you don't have because you haven't um done hobbit yet but it's more of in relation to his wizard status Mm -hmm. yeah so like there's like this history of like there's five wizards that were sent to middle earth Gandalf the Grey, Saruman the White, uh, there's uh, Radagast the Brown, and two blue wizards. So that's why he's like, I am Saruman, indeed, Saruman as he should have been. Yes, I love that line, because it's also like a dig on Saruman of, I am Sa- like I am Saruman, but better. <laughs> so then they are asking how, um, how, like, how did you know? Oh, they're asking if they've, if he's seen the hobbits if he knows what's happened to them since he his quote-unquote death his non-death his fake death whatever you want to call it and he says that he learned that they had been taken because an eagle told him and i was like i thought i knew i i I thought that this was something that happened where like the eagles are messenger birds for someone i just couldn't remember i didn't know if it was a good form of a messenger or a bad kind of a messenger but we know that the eagle that they saw um, when they were traveling down the great river and they pointed out that there was an eagle flying high above them this was the eagle that went i guess went back to gandalf or found gandalf and took this message and i like that these small little mysteries that when you're reading it you're like what why does this why is this here this isn't useful or this isn't even answered or addressed those things are kind of starting to come back and we're getting some answers to well why did that happen or why was that there yeah it's probably also because like that specific great eagle has that good relationship with Gandalf so he's probably kind of also like looking out for things yes because uh, yeah this is also the same isn't this the eagle that helped him escape from when he was in the tower imprisoned by Saruman yes I love how Gandalf has he's like low-key building a animal army not necessarily an army but like he has all these animal friends he has the eagle, and then later on he has Shadowfax the horse. So I wonder, like, who else of his little woodland creature gang is going to join him? Oh, he's not the only wizard. <laughs> I think Radagast has a, a sleigh of, like, jackrabbits. It was the brand... I think <laughs> that w- when I saw him in the first Hobbit movie, I was like, it's like Santa, except it's With the rabbits? guy that plays the... Yeah. Well... <laughs> It's played by the guy that does the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy. So you've got this short little quirky guy in this brown robe who's acting quirky and being pulled by jackrabbits. I'm like, okay, so it's quirky Santa. 
Cool. <laughs> Quirky Santa Claus. I love that. Oh, shoot. That just that just reminded me that my guest for the first chapter of Two Towers, we were talking about how Lewis and Tolkien wrote, kind of wrote characters for each other in each of their books. And Santa Claus, or wait, no, no, no. It was the professor. Yes. The I was thinking. Prof- I was thinking the, of of how Santa Claus shows up shows up in Narnia, but that's not who Tolkien is. Tolkien is the professor. But anyway, it just somehow my brain got to the point of, oh shoot, I'm supposed to be on the lookout for what character inspire or is C.S. Lewis, quote unquote, or maybe it oh you happened. still don't know. Oh shoot, was it Treebeard? Yeah, <laughs> that I mean that's uh, oh man, I wish. So when people kind of. On the internet, how they put it, it comes off, like, almost hilarious in a dig. Like, Lewis is like, oh, I made you, like, the creator of the wardrobe and this professor person. And Tolkien's like, I made you a talking walking tree. <laughs> well, so. also, the the reverse of that is that the professor in the Narnia book is, he's, like, holed up in his room and he hates children and he's kind of cratchety at the beginning. So that's also a, a Tolkien mood. <laughs> but man that's so okay here's here's my thing with the the treebeard chapter so there's so much to talk about for treebeard and the ints and fangorn and like even still even splitting it into two episodes there's stuff that we didn't touch on that treebeards are intent the the ints are kind of intense i mean and they have that feeling in the movie as well. Yeah, man, I love that. I just, I love when there are things that you could sit there and talk about it for two hours and there's still stuff to talk about afterwards. But alrighty, well, yeah, that I, I can, I can definitely see how Tolkien drew inspiration from C.S. Lewis, from his best bud who almost became his frenemy. Or maybe they d- actually did become frenemies at the end. I don't remember, but what was I saying? Yeah, so they're talking. Oh, yeah. Well, this is also a good transition to the next thing. I love this quote. So they're asking Gandalf why were like why were Merry and Pippin here? What happened to them? And he says, they were brought to Fangorn and their coming was like the falling of small stones that starts an avalanche in the mountains. Even as we talk here, I hear the first rumblings. Saruman has bet. Saruman had best not be caught away from his home when the dam bursts. I I love that there are small stones that start an avalanche in the mountains because that's such. It's also just visually what the Hobbit, what Merry and Pippin look like next to Treebeard and the Ents. They look like small stones in an avalanche. Oh yeah, and it also just once again reminds me of that Paul Rudd meme. Look at us, the two of us. Who would have thought? And <laughs> Aragorn says. Aragorn says, you speak in riddles. And Gandalf says, oh, Gandalf says, no, for I was talking aloud to myself, a habit of the old. They choose the wisest person present to speak to. The long explanations needed by the young are wearying. Who is they? (laughs) I don't, I mean, I don't know if you know this yet either. I'm not entirely sure. I I read that quote and I'm like, what exactly are you saying, Gandalf? Yeah, yeah. And it's... It it comes up a lot in this chapter, but like, what exactly does being Gandalf the white versus the gray give you? And it appears that he has some kind of, not necessarily like fortune telling or future seeing powers, but he has some kind of like premonitions because he he talks about things that 
have yet to happen or are happening currently that he would otherwise have no way of knowing are happening or have happened. And this is kind of like one of the, when he's talking about what the ints are doing and what Mary and Pippin have done with the ints and the habit of the old, they choose the wisest person present to speak. Like what? Anywho. (laughs) Unless he's just talking about the riddles. It's like now just Gandalf kind of just, talks and muses out loud a lot more yeah so i think a lot of gandalf the gray he probably just kind of mused on the inside because i feel like the wizards have a sense of otherworldliness of they kind of do no more than they seem gandalf now just also has a motor mouth i really hope that this leads to that I, i really hope that gandalf the white is still just as sassy and blunt as Gandalf the Grey. Because we all know those are like my favorite moments from Fellowship is when Gandalf is just having none of it. <laughs> I think there is. I think there's still some good Gandalf to come. Good. Um, oh, also, I should say that I, another reason why I was so surprised that it was Gandalf is because I was not expecting for him to come back this quickly. It's been maybe, it's been like half of a book's worth of Like less than that even. It's been a very short amount of time and I I was just very surprised. I thought it wasn't going to be until the end of Two Towers or sometime in Return of the King. I really thought that they were going to have to be on their own without Gandalf for a lot longer. So, I mean, I'm glad he's back, but at the same time, I've kind of wished that we just saw more of Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli on their thing, Merry and Pippin on their thing. Later on, I'm assuming that we'll check back in with Frodo and Sam. It would have been interesting to see all of them figuring things out and working on their own. And then maybe when they're at their most desperate and they really, really need Gandalf, that's when he shows up to to help them. And so now they're talking, they're talking about Saruman and Gandalf says, Indeed, he's in great fear, not knowing what mighty one may suddenly appear, wielding the ring and assailing him with war, seeking to cast him down and take his place. That we should wish to cast him down and have no one in his place is not a thought that occurs to his mind. That we should try to destroy the ring itself has not yet entered into his darkest dream. And to me, this feels very much like in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, when the key to getting the Sorcerer's Stone is you have to look in the mirror of Erised and he who wishes to possess the Sorcerer's Stone and keep it from evil use, but not use it himself, is the only person who is worthy of it. And it's something that Voldemort never considers or thinks of because the idea of someone being out there who just wants to take evil people down, but not be in positions of power themselves is just unheard of. It's that hubris of the villains. Yeah. Like none of them expect, Mm -hmm. like none of them expect the good deeds somehow. Yeah. There's also a point later on that I'll get to where we'll touch a little bit back on this again. So then there says that if he's talking about how Saruman has, how do like, It's tricky. Also, just Gandalf speaks and he really does speak in riddles, but he's he's talking about how Saruman used his his powers in a way that basically he's saying that Saruman has failed completely in his his attempt to get the ring and that use of his power has been completely wasted. And because of that, also now it has kind of alerted Sauron 
that he needs to be now also watching Saruman and Isengard because Saruman wants the ring for himself. And that's obviously a threat to Sauron. And he says, for the enemy has failed so far, thanks to Saruman. And then Gimli says, then is not Saruman a traitor? Indeed, yes, said Gandalf doubly. And this is where I got very confused because it's like a use of double negatives. And I was like, wait a minute, are you about to tell me that Saruman has been pulling a Snape the whole time and he's actually trying to get the ring so then that he can give it to, I don't know, so that he can go and take it to Mordor himself or something. I don't know. I was like, is he a double agent? But what Gandalf means is that he is also a traitor to Sauron and to those dark forces too. And later on, yeah, later on talking about Sauron says that the Dark Lord now has Isengard to fear as well as Minas Minas Tirith. And the way that I imagined in my mind is that meme from The Office where I think it's maybe it's Dwight, Michael and maybe Andy and they're all pointing, they're in a triangle and they're all pointing finger guns at each other. And it's kind of like that where it's like Frodo, Sauron and Saruman where everyone has to be watching everything on all sides. It's getting very complicated. Yeah, so basically like Saruman was originally good and like was touched by the darkness, but now is also, I think, because he became so corrupt, he's not just a mindless like commander. So he's like making his own kind of orcs, which are the Urukai, and like why they all not they're not just yeah. they all have that mm-hmm. extra stamp of the white hand of Saruman. It's kind of like, okay, you have your own now extra division. It's like you're your own army. Yeah, he's more a a force to be reckoned with than maybe originally thought. Oh yeah, and then we also we also learn that one of the is it messenger for let me are you talking about the wing messengers yeah i want to make sure i'm getting it straight is this a messenger for sauron or a messenger for saruman i believe this specific messenger that they shot down is for sauron because like gandalf then does kind of go in and indeed define who they are and i'm not sure if all of these titles have been given before but this is kind of where they're officially given all their titles I believe. yeah 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 Yeah, they're talking also about what forces sauron has oh that's right because he they're talking about what saruman does and doesn't know and saruman does not know of the winged messenger the winged messenger cried legolas i shot at him with the bow of galadriel above sarngabir shore and this is again how previously in chapters when I'm reading, I'm like, what is that thing that never gets explained? Things are getting explained now. And this and is it's very, very bad. Yeah, yeah. He says, what new terror is this? Gandalf says, one that you cannot slay with arrows. For it was a Nazgul, one of the nine, who ride now upon winged steeds. So... <laughs> The yeah, ring wraiths so, can fly now. Yeah, the black this riders are in the sky. <laughs> this is fine. It's all good. Nothing to see here. Just terrifying. Yeah, have fun, you know, fighting those. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's just talking about what Saruman does that doesn't know, and it's because his thought is ever on the ring. 
all he cares about, he has these blinders on and all he cares about is the ring and where it is and how to get to it. He is not paying attention at all to the other force, the external forces that are going on and the other players, the the like other pieces on the chessboard. And those are the things that are really important. Once again, this really reminds me of Harry Potter and how Voldemort also kind of has blinders on and all he cares about is killing Harry And the things that he neglects to think about are how people can come together to form an army and work together and bring their powers together to fight against evil. It doesn't ever once cross his mind that Harry is going to seek down and kill all of the Horcruxes. It doesn't ever cross his mind the whole thing with like trying to figure out the path of the Elder Wand and all he thinks that matters is having the wand itself, whereas there's greater power at play. And then also the whole thing of he completely neglects and doesn't take seriously the whole mother's love thing. And that's what leads to his downfall. And that's also what I'm assuming is going to lead to Saruman's downfall, or at least get to a point where Saruman is no longer a threat. Maybe he's still alive and they imprison him. Maybe they kill him. Maybe they get him back on their side. I don't know. But you really have to. And that's what I, that's where I think Sauron is the, the bigger force to be reckoned with is he's able, he has this, I mean, obviously, like no pun intended, but like the eye is watching. He has a, he has his eyes looking out all over Middle Earth. And, and so he, kno- he knows what all of these players are in this game. It's a creepy version of Santa. <laughs> He sees you when you're sleeping. Merry Christmas, everyone. Because <laughs> actually, I think this episode will come out. I think this one might be right before Christmas or the week before or something. So what a wonderful Christmas tune. <laughs> but yeah, he really he really is all knowing and scary. Oh, and he also Gandalf says he has forgotten Treebeard. And Aragorn's like, who is this? What are you talking about? And just once again, and later on when they're talking about the Ents and Treebeard too, Legolas is like, oh, I thought that was an old tale of the past. I didn't think the Ents were actually alive. Just once again is just adds on to how wild it is that Merry and Pippin are the ones that recruited the Ents. Yeah. That like Aragorn- <laughs> just recruited them. They found them. Yeah, Aragorn hadn't ever heard of Treebeard or the Ents. Legolas thought that they weren't real or alive still. And then Merry and Pippin are the ones to be like, oh, hey, buddy, want to join our fight? (laughs) Yeah, so it's at this point that I want to know what exactly is the difference between white-gray or, you know, Gandalf the Grey, Gandalf, Gandalf the White. How does he know about things that have yet to happen? Because he talks about... Oh, well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. First of all, they ask him if he, they ask Gandalf if he was the one who appeared to them in the forest the night before. And he said, no, that was not me. Um, It was probably Saruman. And they're like, oh, well, I'm glad it, I'm glad it wasn't you because we were, yeah, certainly you did not see me. Therefore, I must guess you saw Saruman. Evidently, we look much alike. I think that's funny that everyone confuses them. I'm glad it was not you. Yes, my good dwarf, it is a comfort not to be mistaken at all points. Do I not know it only too well? But of course, I never blamed you for your welcome of me. And then, oh, that's right. 
Because then they ask about the hobbits and they say, where are the hobbits? And he says, with Treebeard and the Ents. So this this is the point where I'm like, how do you know that Merry and Pippin are with the Ents? How do you know that they're with Treebeard? He also says that, I don't think he outright says, oh, they're like on their way storming to, to Isengard right now, or they will be soon. He says it in his kind of like riddly Gandalf way, um, where he was talking about before how there's an avalanche coming or will be coming. And at the time that this chapter is taking place, Merry and Pippin, I believe, are having their first night with Treebeard, which means that the Int moot hasn't even started yet, which means that not even the Ints have decided that they are going to join forces and march to Isengard. So this is just going back to like, what? how exactly do you know all of this? It hasn't even happened yet. Well, he Treebeard had came upon them two days past, he said. So it has been there for a couple days. Oh, and was so, it a couple days ago? Okay, I thought yeah, this Mary and chapter... Pippin have been fortunate. They met him here even where we sit, for he came here two days, two ago, days ago and bore them away. Okay, right, 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 right. So they've been with each other for a couple days. So even still, they're maybe on day two of the int moot, I, be, I believe. So <laughs> it, it hasn't happened yet. And... and I don't know. I just have a lot of issues of like, Gandalf, how do you know this? I think he just kind of has a sense, kind of like how Legolas had that sense of like, there's this, something's coming. And it might just also be the eagle told him like, hey, uh, I noticed this, some crap's going down in Isengard in relation to the forests. And it looks like maybe some ants are waking up and they don't like it when things happen to their forests. Yeah, true. So they might go um, wreck crap. Yeah. And so he Gandalf talks about how the Ents are joining forces and are going to be doing something. And Gimli says, I thought Fangorn was dangerous. And Gandalf says, dangerous? And so am I. Very dangerous. More dangerous than anything you will ever meet unless you were brought alive before the seat of the Dark Lord. And Aragorn is dangerous and Legolas is dangerous. You are beset with dangers. And I think that's like a great reminder that... All of these people have this potential to be dangerous because they all have this, they all have some kind of power or they're strong or they're magic or they have weapons or whatever it is. And so kind of just a reminder of they have this potential to be turned into a dangerous weapon. And then also the reverse of that of, yes, the trees are dangerous, but when you use, when you use your powers or your energy, your efforts, whatever, in a positive direction, it can also be really beneficial for for your team or your side of the fight. Yeah, and it is just interesting how that whole, like, everyone's dangerous in their own way. Yeah. You just sometimes don't realize it. And it's interesting where he's, like, also, like, everything is, where's the axe part? Like, certainly the forest of Fangorn is perilous, not least to those that are too ready with their axes. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was funny because when Gandalf first shows up, Gimli's the one to be like, attack! And then also there's the kind of other side of this joke or whatever comment is that like these trees and this forest has a history of being wary of outsiders, specifically because of people like Gimli who are too quick to attack. And specifically 
people with axes. <laughs> yeah, but it kind of just it does he does kind of like then say like what he sees is going to happen that the coming of the hobbits and the tidings they bring it will soon be running like a flood. It's tied his turn against Saruman and the axes of Isengard. And then and this is one of the best like Gandalf has those great lines of a yes. thing is about to happen which has not happened since the elder days. Yes. The ants are going to wake and find that they are strong. I love that. Yeah, I highlighted that part. The ants are going to wake and find that they are strong. I love that. Cuz in the Treebeard chapter, we we learn that the ants are very hesitant to you know, they're not hasty is like kind of the joke that they it's very rare that they're going to join up and do something, you know, physically do something and do something about the things that are the bad things that are happening to them. Um, so it's a big deal that they're now happening, that it's now happening. But I think that also just kind of personifies a tree's growth in general. Like it, there are slow moving like time and like it takes yeah. them years to grow into these big, strong things. Yeah. I also like Gandalf or Legolas asks, what will they do? And Gandalf says, I do not know. I do not think they know themselves. And it goes back to how the end of the previous chapter ends. That was a redundant statement. <laughs> it goes back to the end of the previous chapter um, and how Treebeard says that this could very well be our last march, but they have to do something because they're either going to march to their doom or it may not be their doom. They might win, but they're either marching to their doom or they're going to sit there and wait for their doom to come to them. So I just like that. I do not think... They know themselves, but they are a very, like, strong, brave force to still be doing something anyway. And then Gandalf kind of turn. they turn towards the future, sort of, their conversation. And, okay, well, now what do we do? What's going to happen now? What should we do? He tells Aragorn that it's now time for him to, he is needed in Edoras. 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 And Theoden needs him. And... Before that, I love he tells so he tells Aragorn, "Do not regret your choice in the Valley of." I still haven't ever learned how to say this. Emin Muel, sure. I Mool. believe it's Emin Muel. Muel. Okay. I've usually heard the I. I've usually heard Muel. At least okay. I feel like that's how I've usually heard it. Yeah, it says, "Do not regret your choice in the Valley of Emin Muel, nor call it a vain pursuit." And then said, "For we have met in time." who otherwise might have met too late. And I love this because the first chapter, the first two chapters of Two Towers are when we get an insight into what Aragorn is thinking or doing, it's always tinged with this little bit of, he feels like he's made the wrong decisions. He was the leader of the group for a bit and he made these choices that led to Boromir dying, Merry and Pippin being taken off, Frodo and Sam going off on their own. A lot of bad stuff happened. And I really like that Gandalf gives him this bit of comfort that, no, that was that was the right decision. You made the right things. And if you hadn't made those decisions, then we wouldn't be meeting like we are now. And we might not, our paths might not have crossed. Then Aragorn has like another, I called it a, a glow up moment. <laughs> he has it in the Riders of Rohan chapter two, when he, when he officially says, I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn. And 
Legolas and Gimli notice that all of a sudden he's, it seems like he's grown taller. He's more, he looks stronger and more confident rather than a grizzled man who's been in the woods. And he kind of has that here where Aragorn and like, and sorry, where Aragorn and Gandalf are looking at each other, talking about like what's to come and their journey forward. And says the gray figure of the man, Aragorn, son of Arathorn, was tall and stern as stone, his hand upon the hilt of his sword. He looked as if some king out of the mist of the sea had stepped upon the shores of lesser men. I love that. And it's these moments of like Aragorn is growing closer to his quote unquote prophecy. Yeah, his destiny. Yeah, destiny is a better word. But then you also kind of, on the flip side, you then also get it with Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, that too. The white shining now as if with some light kindled within, bent laden with years, but holding a power beyond the strength of kings. Yeah. So I just, uh, I'm just imagining that it's like this moment where both Aragorn and Gandalf are, they're looking at each other and they both look strong and powerful and renewed. And then there's like a swell of music. I don't know why, but for some reason, the Avengers theme is playing in my head right now (laughs) wrong franchise but same feelings and then you have like listen Gimli on the side yeah who are just watching and Aragorn says and this I also say you are our captain in our banner the dark lord has nine but we have one mightier than they the white rider he has passed through the fire and the abyss and they shall fear him we will go where he leads oh It's also kind of like a, oh, captain, my captain moment a bit. (laughs) A little bit. Of like, yeah, they have these dark forces, but you are also a very powerful force. And we trust you and we'll do, we'll we'll follow you into the fight. And then my homeboy, Legolas, comes in asking the right questions. (laughs) He says, but first it would ease my heart, Gandalf, to hear what befell you in Moria. Will you not tell us? Can you not even can you not stay even to tell your friends how you were delivered? <laughs> and Gandalf says, Time is short, but if there were a year to spend, I would not tell you all. And I'm like, Gandalf, don't be cryptic again. Please just tell us information. And it's very to me reminiscent too of at the end of Sorcerer's Stone, when Harry asks, can you tell me more about why I survived or what happened the night my parents died and what happened with Voldemort? And Dumbledore's like, mm, no, I don't really feel like telling you that right now. And just Gandalf and Dumbledore, always fantasy parallels. But he does give them kind of an abridged version. And I'm going to do my best not to read all of this, but some of it is really epic language. Long I fell and he, fe- this is talking about the Balrog, obviously. Long I fell and he fell with me. His fire was about me. I was burned. Then we plunged into the deep water and all was dark. Cold it was as the tide of death. Almost it froze my heart. Deep is the abyss that is spanned by Durin's bridge. And none had measured it, said Gimli. So then they're they're at the bottom and the the Balrog has like kind of disintegrated into this gross he says it was a thing of slime. So that's yum. Lovely imaging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this. We fought far under the living earth where time is not counted. (laughs) Far, far below the deepest dwellings of the dwarves, the world is gnawed by nameless things. Even Sauron knows them not. 
Creepy. So they are in totally uncharted territory in Moria. And the the Balrog knows where he's going. So Gandalf follows him until they get to a point where they can get out of Moria. They get outside the mountain or on top of the mountain. I threw down my enemy and he fell from the high place and broke the mountainside where he smote it in his ruin. Then darkness took me and I strayed out of thought and time and I wandered far on roads that I will not tell. And this is where it gets a little like, okay, this sounds like nonsense, but I guess we have to roll with it. First of all, I don't know how, but this is a his his fall. How he did not die. He says his fire was about me. I was burned. How did he not die? I'm assuming the answer is magic, and I'm just going to have to accept that as the answer. Yeah, I think that's the answer. It's just, I wrote down magic, I guess. This is the second point of like, okay, I guess I just have to roll with it. Naked, I was sent back for a brief time until my task is done. And naked, I lay upon the mountaintop. And where he was sent back where? So... This kind of, I think the easiest way to think of it is he had died, but was kind of like sent back from heaven. I think some of the folklore, well, heaven's maybe the wrong word. I think some of the folklore around the wizards is that they are kind of almost like demigods or a certain deity. So that's why like when he kind of died, he was sent back because they were all sent to Middle Earth with a task, the five of them. I was going to say, yeah, because the next part of that is for a brief time until my task is done. So I'm assuming that task is making sure that the ring does not fall into the hands of Sauron and that it escapes evil. And I I also like that before that it says for a brief time. So... Gandalf might be dying again. Who knows? He maybe when the task is done, a beam of light will come and take him away. No one knows. Yeah. So this kind of ties back into why he was saying like, I'm Saruman as he should have been. I'm now ha- I now have what Saruman's task was. Mm-hmm. Like this is why he's also now like Gandalf the White. Cool. So it's like yeah, he was he... reincarnated and given that task of like, no, okay, you get this second chance. It's like Saruman didn't do a great job. You kind of took this upon yourself regardless of whether or not it was assigned to you. And so now I guess we'll officially give it to you. Yeah, so he's sent back to Earth, I guess. Gwehir the Wind Lord found me again and he took me up and bore me away. Once again, just a point where I'm like, okay, I'll roll with it. <laughs> That's the eagle. Oh, 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 okay. That makes my oh, that makes so much more sense. I thought it was more like a like I thought it was like a metaphorical spirit. He named him earlier. Okay. Oh, oh, that's on, on at least it's mine forty four. They're yes. like, oh, I saw I saw that eagle over by Eminemuel, and he said yes, that was Gwehir, Gwehir. the Windlord yes, who yes, rescued yes, yes. me. Thank you. I So here's the thing. I'm kind of in the mindset of Frozen 2. There's a quote unquote wind spirit that's not an actual person or a, be- or a physical being. It's just a spirit that moves the wind. So I was just imagining that of like the wind lifted Gandalf away, which is even funnier because I think at this point he's still naked. So at this point, he's flying naked through the air in my head before I learned that it was the eagle. He also says, light as a swan's feather in my claw, you are. (laughs) He's just carrying a naked Gandalf through the air. What a great image. (laughs) Crazy old man. So Gandalf says, bear me to Lothlorien. 
That indeed is the command of Lady Galadriel who sent me to look for you, he answered. And at this point, I'm like, yes, thank you, Galadriel. Coming in clutch. I don't, it just it just made me very happy that like Galadriel's on top of it. She's got it covered. She's also the one that was like, hey, um, apparently Gandalf died over at Khazad-dûm. Can you just look for him just in case? Yeah, just in case. Just go survey the land. He may or may not still be there. I just always love the way that he describes Lothlorien. I tarried there in the ageless time of that land where days bring healing, not decay. So he is in Lothlorien for a bit, recovering, refreshing himself. I love that. Also just like this imagery of like, meanwhile, Boromir's dying. Frodo and Sam are running off by themselves. Merry and Pippin are being carried around by orcs. And the meanwhile, Gandalf's getting like a spa treatment in Lothorian. Yep. <laughs> it's at this point that Gandalf brings messages to Aragorn and Legolas. Aragorn's message, kind of the main point is near is the hour where the lost shall should come forth and the little bit of warning at the end, but dark is the path appointed for thee. The dead watch the road that lead, leads to the sea. Okay, so do you have any theories oh, about, about what, what this, this riddle means? means? Um, I basically just mean, just think that the message is, okay, Aragorn, it's go time. Time to fight, time to do this, but it's a dark path. And either the sea is just a metaphorical sea to represent, I don't know, like death or something of this is a dark path that could lead to your death. Or maybe it's like the sea of lava that surrounds Mordor. Or maybe it's a literal sea, like an ocean with fishies in it and so they're going to drown. I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but just take note of like what is capitalized in this riddle, so like you have Grey Company, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like there's something called the Grey Company. Oh, is that just not referring of, to Gandalf? I don't think so. Okay, well then, the Grey Company ride from the north. Like, Dead n- is capitalized. Near is the hour when the law should come forth and the Grey Company ride from the north. But dark is the path appointed to thee. The dead watch the road that leads to the sea. <laughs> Creepy. And then Legolas also has a similar ominous message. Legolas, green leaf, long under tree, enjoy thou hast lived, beware of the sea. If thou hearest the cry of the gull on the shore, thy heart shall then rest in the forest no more. So to me, again, I'm assuming that whatever this sea is, maybe they're warning that it says the the cry of the gull. So whatever it is there that's calling to you, don't listen to it. So I have less theories on his riddle, mm-hmm. mostly because there's a, from what I know of the movies, like Aragorn's riddle calls out certain stuff from the movies. I have an idea of maybe for Legolas's, but I'm a lot less certain on it. Basically, both of these are just very ominous messages. (laughs) And I lost it at this next point. Gimli. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just going to laugh so much. Gandalf fell silent and shut his eyes. Then she sent me no message, said Gimli. Dark are her words, said Legolas, and little do they mean to those that receive them. That is no comfort, said Gimli. (laughs) So I love that. (gasps) One. Gimli is upset that he didn't get a message from his girlfriend Galadriel. <laughs> Two, Legolas is like, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I have no idea what this message means, and it's a little dark and ominous. And Gimli goes, 
no, that doesn't make me feel better. I want a message. It's like, why was I forgotten? And I want a death prediction. Would you have her speak openly to you of your death? Yes, if she had not else to say. (laughs) So I love that Gimli's like, yes, I want to hear from Galadriel. I don't care if it's about my death. (laughs) Oh, it just made me laugh so much. I was dying. And then (laughs) Gandalf, like, I can't tell if this is Gandalf actually delivering a message that he forgot about, or if I'm 99% sure it's just Gandalf making up a message to make Gimli feel better like he's a child. Gandalf is like, oh, wait, yes, sorry, I'm just now remembering. To Gimli, son of Gloin, give his lady's greeting. Lock bearer, wherever thou goest, my thought goes with thee, but have a care to lay thine axe to the right tree. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a real one. You think it's a real I message? I think it's just because, like, and Gandalf tries to say, I was taking a moment to also reflect on these two big dark riddles. Oh, yeah. Because he kind of says that. He just kind of is like, these were heavy. Yeah. I need a moment. <laughs> Give me a moment to process. But then, yeah, Gimbley goes nuts, freak, like, crying like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> he's like, I didn't get any. But now he's like, oh, yeah, best day ever. It's Christmas. <laughs> but also, Legolas and Aragorn's messages in my text are, they're in the format of a song where they're broken apart from the rest of the text and they're italicized. And then Gimli's message is just part of, like... Gandalf's normal speech. My only thought is that it's because it's not kind of like a weird riddled yeah, message. Yeah, it's, it's not a fun rhyme. It's not as poetic and beautiful. Yeah, it's just like, hey, just know I like my thoughts are with you. Also, ha- but have a care to lay thine axe to the right tree. Kind of goes back to a little bit of what like Gandalf joked about. Oh, you were about to like throw your axe at me and behead me. Maybe you should be a little bit more careful in the future. I mean, to be honest, I mean, this is might have been why I was bad at English class. I took it at face value. I wasn't thinking, oh, maybe Gandalf made this up. So it's also just a good theory. Well, no, I mean, but like... It's such in Gimli's character that even Galadriel knows that he needs a warning from her as well as Gandalf to like, hey, be careful, like how you swing your axe. Maybe you need to think a little more about your actions and make sure that you're fighting the people, you're fighting the right people that he also needed to hear it from. If this truly is a message from Galadriel and it's not just Gandalf making it up, that Galadriel knows that this is what Gimli needs to hear the most. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do like a, a poll or something or I'll ask on social media. So listeners, if you're hearing this now, go to either Instagram or Twitter. I'll have it somewhere. Did you think this is an actual message from Galadriel or do you think it's Gandalf making it up so that Gimli doesn't feel bad? Because honestly, I'm not, I'm not split like either way. I'm like, I can, I can see it being both. So yeah, me either. I could definitely see either way. <laughs> and then this is, this is where Gandalf is like, all right, let's go. And apparently part of his new powers involve summoning horses from long distances away. <laughs> And he like whistles and these horses come running over and Legolas notes that there are like two normal sized horses. Then there is a very great horse and Gandalf says, this is Shadowfax. And I'm like, Gandalf, you stole Shadowfax again? And I'm like, Gandalf, 
they're not going to like you if you keep taking Shadow Fax. But apparently Shadow Fax is, he is the horse of the White Rider. We are going to battle together. So I don't know if that's something that Gandalf just decided because he loves Shadow Fax, or if this is what like Shadow Fax was born to do. I th- it might be a mix. And I think it also might be a mutual love that Shadow Fax has ver- grown very fond of Gandalf. Because like Shadow Fax is seen as like this great king of the horses. Maybe he just is like, nah, puny humans, you plebeians. <laughs> and so they are, they they get on horseback and they they ride off. And as they're riding off, they notice that there's smoke in the air. And like Legolas says, I see a great smoke, said Legolas. What may that be? Battle and war, said Gandalf. Ride on. That's That's the end of chapter five, the return of Gandalf. It was a good job, Tolkien. Really, really took me by surprise, and I enjoyed it immensely. All that being said, let's start wrapping up this episode. Sydney, what would you like to share with our audience? I recently started a podcast at the beginning of October called Some Reading Required. Every other week, I have a guest on where I ask them various questions about what their high school reading experience was like. So, and sometimes that can devolve into tangents about books in general, or um, I have also had some teachers on that were friends of, uh, some friends of mine that are teachers, where we also then talked about um, their passion, like how teachers need to have a passion for this topic. Uh, you can find me as the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at some reading pod, or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Books of Kings. Yes, and also listeners, I was recently on an episode as well, and Sydney was very kind and let me ramble on about all of my various high school experiences with English. So definitely go listen to that, especially if you like reading Lord of the Rings and you're a more literary-minded person, because it really is an interesting topic to talk about since everyone had different high school reading and English experiences. Oh, also, I've start, I'm going to start doing a new thing where I'm asking my guests, is there a book, a TV show, it could even be a song or a band or something that you would recommend to people if they like Lord of the Rings. I'm literally looking at my bookshelf going, ooh, what sounds good? An Ember in the Ashes. Okay. And who is by that by? Sabah Tahir. Okay. Oh, I think I've, yeah, I think I have heard of that. Cool. It's kind of got that rebellion, but it's also just got some really strong characters and a lot of, I think, like back mythology to it like in the sequel of torch against the night we kind of suddenly have almost like spirits or like the mythical kind of like the like how the wizards are in lord of the rings awesome everyone listening make sure to check out the episode description so you can find links to some reading required as well as sydney's social media and also the information about her recommendation. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of the Bacon and Eggs Network. You can learn more about that by going to baconandeggs.media. The cover art is by Vaishan Brandon, aka Graphite. Support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod, as well as in the community group on Facebook. The link to that Facebook group will also be in the episode description. You can find me on Twitter at MC. 
at mc416 and at at Instagram, good lord, and on Instagram at mc turned down for what. And finally, like I said, this episode will be coming out at some point shortly before Christmas and in the middle of the holiday season. So if you're listening and the holidays are kind of rough, I hope that this has been uh, somewhat of an escape or it feels like you're with friends and having a good old time. So, and if you're in love with the holiday season, yay, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, Merry Festivus to the rest of us. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about.